Hey guys, before we get into the episode, we just want to tell you about our next live show that is coming up very soon. On October 13th at the Bell House in Brooklyn, we will be doing a live show that's all about witches. It is in fact called All of Them Witches. How convenient. This is our third live show. In the past, we've put together live explorations into food and into hair, and now we're looking at witches. We have a lot of amazing presenters, scholars, artists, musicians, film enthusiasts, nerds like us, um, <laughs> who are going to be digging deep into a certain aspect to talk about representations of witches in film, TV, and pop culture. You can buy tickets online and at the door. The show is at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. Doors open at 7.30. Show starts at 8, October 13th. Their paths crossed like two hot wires. We are just about the friendliest folks you would ever want to meet. That's Bonnie. I'm sorry, I was looking for Maud. Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. That woman, she took my car. This is Bonnie and Maud, the film podcast with Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. You're listening to Bonnie and Maud. I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Ksenia Yarosh. We are the podcast that takes a femme-centric perspective on movies. And today we have a guest in the studio apartment, <laughs> Manoush Samarodi. Welcome. Ladies, thank you for having me. Of course. Manoush is the host of New Tech City, a uh, podcast and radio show on WNYC that tells stories at the intersection of technology, culture, and our lives. Seriously, you explain it better than I do. We're still working on the tagline. So yes, that was good. Thank you. You were welcome. Came to to do a show, got a tagline. (laughs) So much happens on Bonnie and Maud. You don't even know what you're going to walk away with. (laughs) Well, you started it with a glass of wine, so we're definitely headed in the right direction. That's just how we roll. Listen closely. (laughs) Um, But Manoush, in addition to being a uh, veteran badass broadcaster, you are a mom. I am. Yes. And you were saying that in searching for entertainment for your kids, you experience things that you really love or really hate. Yeah. And it's frustrating sometimes when some people say that something is such a great movie and then you take your kids to it and one of them has to be like escorted out because they're crying. And you think like, wow, am I so different than like the regular population that like what appeals to the mainstream doesn't appeal to me and my family. And so you start to wonder, or there's a business opportunity here. There is a a missing genre Mm -hmm. that I am happy to fill any filmmakers in on how they could make (laughs) money on weirdo families like mine. And that's kind of what we're going to do today. So we're going to take a movie that you and your family loved and a movie that you and your family hated and do a little compare contrast and hopefully, you know, walk away with some rules or expectations that you and probably lots of other parents look for in kids' entertainment. Um, The two movies we're tackling are Lego Movie and Despicable Me. Yep. And we will tell you in a moment which one Manoush hated and which one she loved. (laughs) It's a surprise. It's true, because I'm sure there are some people who are going to be surprised which is which. Yeah. Um, But first, I want to know, how old are your kids? Okay, so my daughter is four and my son is seven. And what kind of role... Both (laughs) monstrous. What kind of role do uh, movies play in your family, family time? I'm trying to figure that out. That is in the process, sort of figuring out where do movies fit in. I am a real movie lover. I love to go to the movies. I like that full experience. Yet at the same time, going to the movies and screens have really changed what sort of role they play in children's lives. For me, it was a real treat to go to the movies because it was either that or it was TV. There was nothing on demand. There was nothing recorded. I mean, I very, very distinctly remember my first movie experience, which was going to see Grease when I was five. Oh, my God. Yeah. I really remember it. And somebody, like my brother and sister were like, what? That's like so weird and like sexual that that was what you saw. I was like... No, dude, it was all about the singing and her hair and the dancing and mm-hmm. and it, like I recently reviewed the lyrics uh, to some of those songs. Have you seen this? 
They're inappropriate. They are totally inappropriate. But when you're five, you have no idea what anything means. You just love the like do up be doobie up, you know, bang bang, shangity shangy mop. Yeah, no metaphors for grease lightning. That is just the car. Yeah, totally. So like, so I want my children to love and enjoy movies like I do. But how do you keep them special when they are surrounded by movies all the time? You can watch them on your phone. You can watch them anytime you want. And I have to admit, like, I have been guilty of, like, make dinner and mommy needs to eat too. So mommy puts on a movie while we eat dinner. I can't believe the confessions I'm already making. (laughs) So it's tough. And also, I think that every parent thinks that they have unusual children, but, like, no, I really do have unusual children. <laughs> so I think we'll get to that as we explore, like, what makes a good movie and what doesn't, mm-hmm. in, at least in my family's world. So I wonder if you compartmentalize movies then. They're the special occasion movies that you're going to the theater to yes. see versus, like, the, you know, mommy needs to have dinner movie. Yes. A favorite that I'm really shocked by is the Winnie the Pooh movie. Um, this is the recent version. I never would have thought that I would enjoy it. It is hilarious, incredibly smart and funny, and the oh. voice work is excellent. For those of you out there, the Baxen, the Baxen, we don't like the Baxen. Like this. What's the it, style like? Is it like that kind of 3D? No, it's no, straight it's, up. It looks like hand drawn. Hand drawn, straight up animation. Old school. Old okay. school. John yeah. Cleese is the narrator. Aww. And he's just awesome. And whoever does the owl, owl voice is just fabulous. And <laughs> it's like 80 minutes. And. And it's very subtle, the little twists. It's very loving, the whole thing. Um, There is a little bit of scariness, but now that they know what happens, they enjoy it even more, which Mm -hmm. is the beauty of being a kid, which is knowing the plot Mm -hmm. makes it better. Yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up is the kid's predilection to rewatch a movie over and over and over again. I know we did in my family. There are movies that my mom... What did you watch? Oh, so our favorite movie, my younger brother and I, we loved The Chipmunk Adventure. Huh. Is this a movie either of you are familiar mm-hmm. with? No. So Alvin and the Chipmunks, so. obviously, was, you know, they were a musical group. They put out uh, parodies of Michael Jackson videos. I had all of these things. Um, but they put out a full-length movie called The Chipmunk Adventure that was the three chipmunks and the three chipettes, one of whose name was Eleanor. So maybe that's oh, why nice. I liked it. This movie is wildly different and nothing like the current Alvin and the Chipmunk movies. I will make that clear. Yeah. There, nobody gets chipwrecked. There are not puns <laughs> uh, that I can remember. There are not bad puns. Alvin still gets in trouble. Oh, yeah. And it was this movie where they wind up taking hot air balloons all over the world. So it Sounds had this great. sort of like global geography sort of like oh, that's so hand cool. cultural What year is this? Thing. I'm, I'm going to need to check this one out. I want to say early 90s. Okay. Um, but we watched it over and over and over again. And to the point where, you know, my mom is like, I'm not going to spend five bucks a Blockbuster. Every time you want to rent this thing, I'm just going to buy it for you. Which was like Woo-hoo. a rare occurrence. Yeah, yeah. We had like achieved something. There's something so key about a kid wanting to rewatch a movie. And yeah. I think you really hit on something, Manoush, with knowing the plot and knowing the scary things and kind of anticipating it. Yes. Like, I'll still watch Mulholland Drive, but I know that scary person is going to pop out of the back of the diner. <laughs> and that makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. And you Especially are... Especially since you can't forward that movie. <laughs> right. That's true. So, I mean, I think for kids, a lot of it is... um you know, genuine fear, Mm -hmm. like they just are overcome by their emotions. And so being able to predict it gives them a sense of control. I'm not a child psychologist. I just play one on radio shows. (laughs) Um, But they appreciate it as a whole. Do you know what I mean? Like they they see the movie as a whole. It's not like this scene and now what's going to happen. It's like, oh yeah, I can go into this whole experience and I know what I'm going to get. So they almost enjoy it even more. It's kind of beautiful. I mean, other ones I would add to that list are, gotta say, 60s and 70s Disney. Like, just, he, they did it right back then. Mm-hmm. Like, The Sword in the Stone is awesome. I Jungle recently Book. rewatched it. I, I rewatched The Sword in the Stone, and I, I remember loving that as a kid. To be fair, it I dozed off a couple times this time. Really? Um, Why? Because you literally found it boring? 
I mean, maybe it's soothing to the point of somnambulance. It's just like not <laughs> a lot happens. There are a lot of I don't know. I didn't find the overall plot that compelling. It's just a lot of scenes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's precisely why my kids like it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you can watch it in small chunks. So yeah. we can watch it during dinner and it's 20 minutes and mm-hmm. stop. Like vignettes. Like they don't exactly. have to remember this whole intricate plot where there's like a lot of things happening at once and right. it all gets wrapped Same up at the characters end. characters in different settings, almost like a TV show. Totally. Um, and I mean, animation is great. I mm-hmm. love the scene with the squirrels. Mm. I love the witch in it. Like, I could rewatch the witch scene she's many, fabulous. many times. She's... That's the one part they don't like, actually. Oh, really? Because she's too scary? She's a little freaky. Creepy. Yeah, she's like, she means it when she's pissed. She's like, don't fuck with me, Merlin. <laughs> and I think that, like, what you've touched on, though, Ksenia, is that my children, and I think there are a lot of children out there, not to spoil my sort of, like, theory, but it's that there doesn't need to be that much that happens. Mm-hmm. They're getting used to the world. They're getting mm. used to life. They're getting used to ideas. And what I don't understand is, like, why current children's filmmakers feel the need to fill it with so many very, not just adult humor, but adult action. Mm-hmm. Yes. In watching the two movies that were going to be delving deeper in today, um, the Lego movie is so maximalist. Mm. It is like every shot is filled with like a hundred things, a million colors. There's things zooming in and out of the frame everywhere. It is very in your face. And granted, Despicable Me, there's a lot going on there mm-hmm. as well. I was just struck by how huge Lego was. Now, I'm dying to know, when you first saw it, you went, you saw it at first in the theater. Lego, I did. What did you think of it? I loved it. You loved it. And I loved it, I have to tell you, again the second time. Okay. And? I only watched it the one time in theater, but I really did like it a lot. There wasn't a lot I had to say as I was leaving the theater. Uh I remember being kind of speechless. Like, I had a great time. I I was almost, yes, still kind of dizzy from all Uh the colors in action. (laughs) But I had a great time, and the song was stuck in my head. Everything is awesome. Yeah. Which is like, like yeah, if yeah. you think about it, is the most cynical song like possible. Like everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Like, well, which the point is? That's the point, right? All of which to say, this is the movie that you and your family disliked. You hated this. Hated. Hated. Hated from the start. I'd say by fifteen to twenty minutes in, we were. Yeah? Over it. Yeah, because of exactly what you were saying, Eleanor. This um, in-your-face, this maximalism sort of part. That, by the way, is the sound of Eleanor opening the bottle of wine Mm -hmm. to top up her glass. Sense of place. I like Um, this. I needed a drink at that point. Yes, it's very nice. (laughs) Because it was just like, why? Why? What's so beautiful about Legos is their simplicity and their utilitarianism. The white stripes, their videos, they... Ah, they, fell in love with the girl. Yes, they do Legos right. All the YouTube videos that are up that, like, user fans have made with Legos, they're beautiful in their simplicity, in their creativity, I just felt like it was total overload. Why did it have to be so in your face? Why did there have to be so much? But yes, it was gorgeous visually. Did you notice mm. the thumbprints on those Legos? No. no. <laughs> That's was, great, actually. But a lot of the time, it did look like something handmade because of the staggering of the animation. Hmm. And then when you looked at the... Yeah, at the texture of the actual bricks. Some of them were worn out. Some of them you could see fingerprints. So that's one of the things that really appealed to me about Lego is that I thought it was so ingenious in mm -hmm. its ideas and its approach to animation. You know, thinking about the water coming out of the shower and there are the little Lego pellets. Uh Like everything felt tangible. Absolutely. And But so that's so great. So why? Like it's like saying like – Let's make a sundae with 50 different flavors and then let's put on the whipped cream and the nuts and the M&Ms and the butterscotch and then it was like, like, I felt sick. Do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. no, there's something so beautiful with what you're describing. A really nice chocolate and <laughs> just some whipped cream and maybe a few sprinkles. I'm good with that. And, and you can appreciate it. What I was wondering when I was mm-hmm. like marveling over the visual 
uh, language of this movie is does a kid care at all about this is like lego movie gonna appeal to your four and seven year old because of how clever they used you know the the in jokes with like the 80s spaceman and how his his helmet is broken in the spot that I those did like toys that. actually broke yes okay um, like, you're right about that one I, like, I grant you that <laughs> thank you <laughs> does a kid care about that though like did, does that matter no, at all they don't give a crap because they don't know what they're talking about and I can only speak for my children, but they were completely, utterly overstimulated mm-hmm. to the point where my daughter, who's four, and I think too little to go to that movie, she was so psyched about the popcorn, and she went into this weird, like, trance. My <laughs> son, I mean, let's just put it out there. My son's a little unusual. He's super, super sensitive. You know, when he was a year and a half, he was asking me to explain what an echo is. I can't do that. Yeah, he's an unusual kid. It was just too much. Hmm. It was too much. And I think that, like, as a kid who grew up watching movies at home, going to the theater is a very intense experience. Oh, yeah. There's nowhere to go. It's totally dark. It's in your face. It's loud. It's loud. And louder. Like, I wear earplugs in movies sometimes now. I will admit that. Yes. And this is – I have a kid who, like, wears – you know, headphones in the lunchroom at school because it's, I mean, I would too. It's so loud. So this was like, it just didn't need to be like that. And then should we go to like what happens? Sure. Oh yeah. We will say, you know, there are spoilers in this episode. Oh yes. Good point. So, you know, if you haven't seen Lego, if you haven't seen Despicable Me, um, know that we will be spoiling plot points. So go see them and then return. Or if you don't care, listen on. Hang with us. Yeah. It's all right. We're getting you ready for this. Yeah, it's going to be cool. <laughs> um, so towards the end, the film becomes live action. Um, suddenly we discover that this world that we thought was real and made out of Legos is actually a fantasy that's manipulated by a little boy. Um, who turns out is playing with his father's toys. So the reason it was all so intricate and beautiful is because his father is like a professional Lego builder. He's a master builder. Exactly. Now, if you remember that moment when it switched sort of realities Mm -hmm. from animation to to live action, there was like crazy music and it went black, I think. It was incredibly existential. (laughs) And my son like freaked out out he was like i am out of here get me the fuck out of here this is crazy he had to leave it was mind-blowing for an adult for me Mm -hmm. that moment i mean i thought it was really brilliant i loved the turn that it took and i had some sort of inklings that it might go in that direction it was very mind-blowing and yeah i can totally see how that would be very intense for a child so i'm i'm cool with that like and if i hadn't gone with my children i probably would have appreciated it but it's the marketing of it that makes me uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. legos are really very specific like they are what four or five to like 13 and then you go into the robotic stuff which is great you know and that can go to any age and as we saw in the movie adults love legos too but if you're marketing a Lego movie, I don't know. I just think there needs to be clarity because there's a very big difference between a six-year-old and a 13-year-old watching this film or a 33-year-old. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I guess I I felt we were there, I think it was opening day. So I didn't know. Like there wasn't like a warning or I didn't like – I'm sure there would have been on one of the parent blogs, like, just to be clear, like, if your kids are sensitive or whatever, this may not be the right choice. They're adult themes or... Sure. And um, we just sort of were like, well, our kid loves Legos. Let's give it a shot. And it was total disaster. I'm so surprised that that's the scene that, like... Blew his mind. Broke it for you. Yes. My son is rather dark, as am I. Because Proud that- mother, I can only assume that it's because he is so smart and mm-hmm. sensitive that that's why it bothered him and that's why other kids don't care. But, like, there's something to me that I guess I I worry that these kids need that level of stimulation in order to be entertained. Hmm. When there was something so simple and calm and warming and present about, like, for example, the sword in the stone – that it doesn't need to 
be like that. I just think it's setting the bar very high Mm -hmm. that if this is where you're starting as a kid for like entertainment, where Mm -hmm. do you have to go? Like how many things need to be blown up? How many characters do there need to be? How many like visual cues do you need to have? I know, but Is it snooty? But our world is also becoming a lot more intense and complex and you can't protect them from that no totally and entertainment is just another aspect of it like you know i get five emails on my phone and then a phone call and then i have to make sure to like pick up that thing Mm -hmm. and meet these people and there's just we're all multitasking all the time Mm -hmm. yeah um so as intense as the lego movie was i i don't think the answer is to like simplify everything and make it the sword and the stone because I really do think that was a little too quiet. But Mm -hmm. I will say that having a thing that is meta in your kid's movie Mm. is a big concept and Mm -hmm. is something that is very deep and I totally continued thinking about the Lego movie and what (laughs) it meant after I walked out of it. And it was because it was meta. That is a thing that a kid is not going to be able to wrap his or her mind around. I think my kid did. And that's why he freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) For real. Yeah. So maybe that's why it doesn't bother other kids. Like if they're not as like dark as my child. They didn't realize what was going on. Yeah, they were like, whoa. And now there's like a kid and his dad. And whoa, look what the dad has in his basement. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) My kid was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and my daughter who was like, she's four. So she's just like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Can I have some more popcorn? (laughs) do your kids play with legos or did you grow up with legos you know i'm the oldest i'm a girl so but my brother was really into them Mm -hmm. um my son is way into legos and i think he felt let down by this Mm -hmm. movie if you ask him he will tell you oh don't like that one (laughs) terrible you know though i do sort of love that your son has opinions on film Mm. that extend beyond i loved it or it was scary and i didn't like it it sounds like he has mm-hmm. concrete, like film critical reasons. Feelings. Feel, like yes, exactly. Which I that that just in general as a concept Good makes me point. happy. And that makes me feel better about him freaking out when every other kid was like, Oh my god, I love this movie. Uh, this movie is awesome. You know? <laughs> he did not feel that way. And no matter what any other kid says, he'll be like, mm-mm. Thumbs down. (laughs) I want to shift and talk about Despicable Me a little bit Mm. because this is going to be the other side of it. This is the movie that you and your family loved. Mm -hmm. And Despicable Me is the story of a incompetent villain (laughs) who becomes a unwitting father figure to a trio of orphan girls. It's sort of the general plot. I feel it's important to point out that before seeing this movie, I had no idea there were female characters in this. Me either. And very much like Frozen. Wait, was this the first time you guys watched it for yes. this show? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's all fresh. Okay, yes. good. And very much like Frozen, they were not featured in any of the advertisements. Yes, stealth female characters. It's a thing. Ah, totally is. Interesting. And what did you guys think? Oh, loved it and cried at the end. You cried? No, oh, I am a crier. Wait, what made you cry? <laughs> Oh, my God. It was just so, like, tender and parental. <laughs> I think I'm getting confused between the Despicable 1 and Despicable 2. Ooh, I have not seen 2. Yeah, so, listener, if I get confused, don't hold it against me. I'm a I read very a little bit about 2. What happens in 2? Like, what's the premise of 2? Two? 2, she he gets married, right? Oh, really? He doesn't get married in 1, right? No. no. Okay, so we just watch 2. Okay, good. It all blurs together, my friend. Yeah. Yes, okay. <clears throat> he gets married into oh, so they have so a mother figure enters into the story. Yes, mother figure. I'm gonna have to watch it, obviously. Um played by Kristen Wig. Love her. Love her. Okay. All right, good. So Manoush, what would take us through the experience of watching that movie? Okay, so I should say we did not see this movie in the theater. This has been full on gosh, is it Netflix? I think it's Netflix where we've been watching it. Um to me, this the Gru character is so Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it's similar to The Office in that, like, different. But, like, on The Office, he's a buffoon and incredibly lovable at the same time. Gru is gruff and incredibly lovable at the same time. And Mm -hmm. there's a sort of sweetness and softness. And despite the beautiful, like, nice animation, it's not as 
slick and cynical as the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about it. To me, uh, Despicable Me is a more complex story. Mm. So I've been sort of like working on theories about these two movies, or at least mm-hmm. just trying to see what they have in common. And they're both movies about fatherhood. They're mm. both movies mm. about parenthood, too. If You can make it broader. It doesn't have to be about fatherhood and men. It can be about any, you know, parenthood in general. So in the Lego movie, you have the story of a father who is learning to let go of his childhood, essentially, mm-hmm. as a way to bond with his son. And in Despicable Me, you have a man, a loner, who learns how to be a father. And that, to me, is a more uplifting and complex right. story that has at least in the way that it's presented in the movie, has a lot more heart to it. Yes, I agree with that. Has more heart. And you have comic foil with the minions, who whenever there's like things get a little too serious or crazy, you just have a minion do something completely silly and Mm -hmm. it sort of lets everyone relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The dark moments in the Lego movie pale in comparison to the dark moments in Despicable Me, and I think that's what gives it a lot of depth. What are you thinking of when you say, like, dark mo- – I know what you mean when, in the Lego movie, but in Despicable Me, which part? So when the girls have to go home to – when they get rested oh, yes. from their mm-hmm. guardian. So, you know, Gru, our incompetent villain, um, adopts the three orphans because they are selling cookies and uses them as a way <laughs> to infiltrate the evil domicile of his, uh, his, of his foe, Vector, who is like – you know, an evil nerd. He adopts the girls so he can use them to trick Vector into stealing his shrinkway, enacting his plan, etc. So at some point, he becomes the foster parent of these girls, and at some point, he decides to give them back. And to a young kid who uh. is so happy to be adopted and have this new parent figure to suddenly be like, I don't want you anymore. The feeling for a child to be unwanted is so deep and horrible and scarring. And that is a really low emotional moment in Despicable Me. Lego doesn't really have anything that gets quite that heart-wrenching, I thought. I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the difference is that the girls have each other. Mm. They always have each other. And there's a sense of solidarity. Whereas that moment, sorry to keep going back to this, but the existential moment in Lego. The kid is alone. He's alone. There's something very cold about it, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I that whole live action scene, it bored me. <laughs> Like, it's the colors of it, I mean, maybe because the colors of the Legos are so bright, the colors of the live action just seem so drab, and it's in the basement, and it just... What about the fact that it was Will Ferrell? Playing a serious guy? I don't know. I Whatever. Whatever. Could have been anyone. I could have done without that last part. I, I didn't find it as disturbing as as my son <laughs> as your son but. i will say i did appreciate sorry to go back to lego but i did appreciate a couple like what was it like the glue gun was the craggle oh yeah the craggle like yes. the craggle that was good that I was clever like that. i love wordplay so that worked mm-hmm. for me this yeah i said something about puns earlier but the puns in the lego movie i love so they're much. good oh my me god too. definitely love the that. polish of nail like oh amazing <sighs> what is that again um he takes the um Oh, polish remover. The oh, nail polish, polish remover. I'm trying to think of the phrasing. That's right. He takes the the felt-crested scepter from Q-Tip and uses <laughs> oh, yeah. it with the polish of Nail to remove the face, the good cop face of bad cop. Oh, yes. Um, good cop, bad cop is freaky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a little clockwork orange going on there. Totally. Right. Okay. It actually reminded me of um, Return to Oz. Do you know that movie? I know Ksenia does. Uh, it's... um. In the 80s, they made a sequel to The Wizard of Oz starring Feruza Balk as a child. She gets back from Oz, Dorothy. Yeah. Um, they put her in a mental asylum because they think she's made up Oz and that she's crazy. Okay. She's about to get... Um, Lobotomized? Not lobotomized. Electric shock. Electric shock therapy. She escapes, winds up back at Oz, but it's all freaking Tim Burton horror show. And then, But not as pretty as Tim Burton. No, stuff. not as pretty as Tim Burton. And there's an <laughs> evil witch that... Um, can remove her head and put on a different head. Is that freaky? Oh, I'm not watching that. Okay. Oh, your kids will hate it. For children or no? Adult version? 
It's like it was intended movie. for children, but it's like one of those children's movies that has is inappropriate many for kids. nightmares. So we are in discussion, negotiation about is it time to watch The Wizard of Oz? Oh, because I have very fond memories of you know once a year they played it on. I don't know, NBC and what about the dead ABC. witch in the beginning? He's and not ready. The dead witch in the end. <laughs> Too scary is the verdict I get. I think that's okay. You know, there's so much depth and wonder in The Wizard of Oz mm. that maybe they'll just appreciate it more when they're older. But what's interesting is they are, I think they want to watch clips and songs on YouTube. Mm. Huh. So this is a new way of watching that you choose the Preparing. parts that you want to watch. You yeah. choose the songs, for example, and that's your introduction to the movie. And only when you feel that you are mature enough are you ready to experience it as an entire narrative. That's interesting. Like Fascinating, the, a, right? The abridged version of a movie. We never had that never opportunity. Had that. And they've chosen it for themselves. Huh. Which huh. I think is so interesting. They don't even know about the monkeys. <laughs> we don't need to go there yet. But Maybe. they love the munchkins. We represent the lollipop can. The the lolly- right. It's the best. That's the best. That and like, can you even dye my eyes to match my gown? Uh huh. <laughs> Jolly old town. My daughter just is like, oh, say it again, say it again, <laughs> sing it to me again. She's like, ah, oh, she wow. loves that. I, you're bringing back like the the joy of rap- repetition that right like, totally fades as you get older. Like I just I don't rewatch movies anymore. I don't reread books because it's not an event. <laughs> it was an event, you know, in the eighties, like that annual mm-hmm. viewing, mm-hmm. and you were like, whoa, I'm gonna be up late. Because this movie's long, but I do it once a year, and it's momentous. Do I sound old? No. I I'm, I'm just keep thinking about how The Wizard of Oz is a, well, we should do an episode on The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that deserves way. its own. Sorry, but moving it's on. A, but it's a dark story. Whoa. To learn that the wizard is bullshit is like... It's, Honestly, a, it's a hard lesson to learn. But, you know, it ends up that she's in the beds and you were there and you were there and you were there. And That's a movie that I always that I keep thinking about, despite the fact that I haven't watched it in a long time. It is so ingrained in our culture mm-hmm. and this idea, I think, is particularly, you know, as someone who covers tech and sort of how it's changing the way we communicate and who is controlling and the choices that we make, the Oz metaphor continues to sort of morph and fit so many different things. This sounds kind of kooky and crazy, but it really comes up a lot to me. A lot. Mark Zuckerberg. Is it coincidence that they both have Zs in their names? I don't know. (laughs) Just throwing it out I was going to mention Dr. Oz, which is the more recent. (laughs) Oh, yes. News mention, but sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is Facebook the new merry old land of Oz? Well, oh man. <laughs> we could go down this road a lot, but I'm going to bring it back to, I want to know what your kids thought of Despicable Me. How were their reactions to that? Well, first of all, minions are the ultimate introduction because <laughs> they don't speak English. So it's kind of perfect. Or they do. They sing like, they think there's one song that's only about underwear or something like that. So it's like total lowest common denominator funny. Love the Minions. And they're... They're actually doing a spinoff. Are they? They're doing a movie that's all about the Minions, I believe. Huh. Super smart, I have to say. I wonder if it'll be as good. Also, Gru, it's such a wonderful thing to have a villain who's lovable. Mm Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It makes something that you should be scared of, but you're not. That's a big concept. Mm-hmm. Something can be scary and likable. But the reason he's evil. Yes. Because yes, he had a bad mom. Oh, what I forgot about that. that? <laughs> She's funny. She makes me laugh. She's funny, but I feel like that's... The Freudian aspects to it? And I feel like the bad mom thing has Ooh. been in different stories throughout. <laughs> it's our a cheap time. shot, right? I mean, I yeah. forgive them. <laughs> I forgive them because she's such a great character, mm-hmm. and she made me laugh. And it's so like cliched; it's almost silly. Okay, do you know what I mean? And then he was made fun of at the playground and all of those. So that things. was in the second one. I haven't um, seen that. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's still relevant to his character's backstory. Also, like, he's smart, mm-hmm. so that's nice. Like, you can have those things happen to you, and you mm-hmm. can still grow up to be smart and incredibly capable and loving. 
even if you don't think you are. Are there moments, and is it okay to have moments that are either too sad, mm. you know, too emotional or too scary in a kid's movie? I mean, the super classic example of this is that Bambi's mom gets shot and killed in Bambi, which is the one of, a really early movie that I saw when I was like three. Mm-hmm. Like, should those kinds of things not be in kids' movies because they're so intense or should they be to, you know, normalize those sorts of situations? Do you guys have thoughts on that? In a safe setting, presumably. Right. It's a really good question. And I do wonder because, it, like you said, you saw it when you were three and I probably did too and just thought like, okay, well, there you go. That's life. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we all want to protect our kids and maybe that's not the right thing to do. I'm trying to think of other examples. Um, I remember Dumbo being very emotional. We watched Dumbo recently. Oh, yeah? What shocked me is it's from the 1940s. Oh, the racist crows. Who are hilarious and extremely musical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're the best part of the whole movie. Yeah. They're great. I want to hang with the crows. Yep. (laughs) Product of their time and place. Completely. But the fact that it's also very sophisticated. I don't know. The 1940s, like, it's very sophisticated. And also, Dumbo's really short. It's, like, 65 minutes long. And it works out. Honestly, the movie's so short. By the time, like, the sad part's over, the movie's over, and he Mm -hmm. triumphs. So there you Mm -hmm. go. (laughs) Like, that was okay. God, I mean, you're reaching into, like, the depths of parenting, which is, like, what do you want your children to be exposed to? What do they you want them to understand about the world and when? Mm-hmm. And you well, just do the best you can, right? Sure, of course. You know? Beyond violence, I, I was thinking about quality mm-hmm. and, like, how you sent us a list of, like, these are good movies, <laughs> these are bad movies. Uh-huh. That took me to two places. One place was, and maybe my mom will regret my saying this, but I really don't remember my viewing being very controlled. Mm -hmm. So I just, I mean, I didn't watch terrible, awful things, but I, I watched a lot of random television and, you know, I remember stumbling onto Barbarella when I was eight <laughs> and being ki- kind of frightened by but what I thought was extremely sexual in retrospect was not that sexual. And we have covered that movie on our show. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'll have to go back. Um, and then the second part of it is um, I'm someone who does a zine called I Love Bad Movies, and a lot of it is, including Eleanor, our friends writing about their various thoughts and analyses, experiences with bad cinema. Return to Oz has been in there. Return to Oz has been in there. We have a kid's issue that has a lot of weird... I watched the Newsies on loop when I was a child, (laughs) Uh uh, and I have a lot of fond memories of that. And that's not really a quality film. It doesn't totally... That's a good question. How are we defining, like, quality and not quality? Yeah, and I feel like part of it is... We have to watch garbage as children. Mm. So we learn to analyze. It can't all be perfect. And we have to like learn how to... It's like learning to be critical. Yeah. Kind of like what we were saying earlier about yeah. your son and having like very sophisticated feelings towards the Lego movie. That's watching something, disliking it, being or able to say it. why. Or loving it and knowing why. Mm. And that's... I don't know. That's the fun of movies. That's a fun part of movies. I mean, I guess my question to you then, Ksenia, is like, when did you realize that they were bad? And did you, like, were you having discussions about these movies afterwards? Or was it kind of like, I just remember before starting the zine, like, sort of coming to terms and admitting that I loved a lot of crappy cinema. I need need examples. Give me, like, three crappy movies Um, that you love. Cool as Ice. Sort of vanilla with vanilla ice? ice. Oh, nice. As the star. But you appreciate it's a gorgeous the... film. <laughs> it's the kitschiness, though, that you appreciate of it. I'm not watching it ironically. No? No. It's really funny okay. and it's really beautiful. Give me another. Freaky Friday is another movie that I've written about. The original or the, the original uh, with Jodie Foster? That's like a movie I've mentioned so many times on the show. <laughs> um, what else have I written about? A lot of obscure movies that we find on VHS tape on the sidewalk. 
Nice. <laughs> that there's a Canadian romance series called Shades of Love that we really like. It's just like things where there's bad acting or bad writing. The plot doesn't quite make sense. Uh-huh. It's sloppy. Sometimes it's sexist. Like we've covered a pretty sexist film on the show that we actually we loved. loved. It was a oh, hard ticket to Hawaii, an <laughs> Andy Sedaris movie. He's this director that does like girls and guns movies, which is like all like Playboy and hustler models who are topless, but they have guns and they're kicking ass. So they're sort of like FBI agents. Um, it wound up being, we wound up uncovering a tender tale of female friendship and empowerment, oh. or female empowerment through f- female friendship. Nice. In the midst of this, like, very overtly sexist movie. But here's the thing about the bad movies, is that I think the general consensus of all of, Ksenia, your bad movie coverage, is that when you earnestly mm. set out to make a good film and you fail... Mm it still has the heart and the sincerity that you put into it. And you can tell. Mm. You can tell. It's why something like Sharknado has no soul. Is missing mm-hmm. something because mm-hmm. they set out to make a shitty movie to make that money. people would watch ironically. Yeah. And you can tell. But when you have something like Cool as Ice or Freaky Friday or the Shades of Love movies or The Room to take like a big classic. Yes. Somebody made this and was excited about this mm-hmm. and wanted to share it with people and was like, this is a thing. It just comes through. It's hard to pinpoint it, but that comes through in your work. Here's the thing. is like there's more to choose from now for parents, right? Like there's video games. There's apps. There's movies. There's TV. You can have it, all of it whenever you want it. And so you're trying to choose, right? Whereas before it was like... This movie is out, so I go see it. Now this movie is out, so I go see it. Grease, and then like Annie, Ghostbusters, I guess, at some point. Like scared me so yeah, bad. Yeah, super scary. The point being, though, is like movies are just one thing in a whole cacophony mm-hmm. of media that my kids are being exposed to. And they could be exposed to all the time. And you're trying not to do that, and you're trying to choose things that really count and matter because you're not sure that there's going to be enough time in their day to see the other stuff to make the comparison or that they'll even take the time to sort of assemble it in their brain in terms of comparison. You worry that there's not a grading system being set forth. Mm-hmm. That so Consume, 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 and mm-hmm. no time for reflection. And so I also think they're really young. They're not at that point to make decisions like that. They're Mm -hmm. sort of taking what comes in and thinking like, oh, this is normal. How important is it to you that there are good role models, you know, female characters, male characters that your kids can relate to in movies? I'm trying to think who's a good role model. Is Gru a good role model? (laughs) I'm trying to use this as a way to talk maybe a little bit about the female characters in Lego Movie and Despicable Me because I was interested by the presence, although minimal, but still presence of women, girls, of girls in these movies. Yes. I think I take it as a given. It's the responsibility, and there's a moment happening right now that if you don't put in a girl character, you'll get nailed for it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, having said that, my daughter's favorite movie is Cinderella, the old school Cinderella. It's a beautiful movie. I love that it's gorgeous. movie. It's gorgeous. I, I rewatched that recently as it's well. It's fabulous. She loves it. And what are you going to say to her? Like, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Cinderella is like a poor feminist figure. No, like... I mean, do you try to tell her that? That, like, to ask her questions, like, what do you think about her ending up with the prince at the end? Like, how... I will. She's four, it's so right too, now... It's too big a question. It's too, yeah, it's like, she'll be like, whatever. <laughs> sing, sweet nightingale. Yeah. She wants to sing. She wants to sing. She wants to... She's really into the animals. Like, she's really into the animals. Well, the mice are, like, the, the best characters The mice are fantastic. Movie. Gus Gus. I mean, oh. the other day, apropos of nothing, she was like, Mommy, what's the other mouse's name? <laughs> and I was like, God, 
God, you are right. I do not know. We know Gus Gus, but what is his friend's name? No idea. Know? No idea. No, I couldn't I give it know. to her. Good trivia question. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Write in and tell us. We have We're a bottle of IMDb half a bottle it. of white wine waiting for you if you get it right. <laughs> so the Lego movie has Wild Style, who is the character who shepherds the male protagonist Emmett through the Lego world and mm. on his journey. And then in Despicable Me, you have the three orphan daughters um and they all have very distinctive personalities Mm -hmm. but at the same time they're all pink tutu wearing girls who do a ballet recital at the end good point did not appreciate that that. you don't you didn't like that i i've hated that stuff since i was a kid like were you ever into ballet ever no never 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 ever I wanted to do tap. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but that was as close as it got. But, like, I think I I didn't like girly, pinky, pony-loving stuff ever. Lady, I hear you. I mean, I, I, we did a recent show on this, like, why is the coding movement, you know, to get girls into coding, why is it being pinkified? And I changed my mind. Hmm. It sort of was like, you know what? My little girl likes pink. I don't know why she does. It's a societal thing. She used to really like yellow. Now she likes pink. Mm -hmm. But if that's what we have to use to meet them there, okay. I accept it. And frankly, like, why did Wildfire have to be so macho? Why couldn't she just be, like, normal? Why'd she have to be, like, the man version of equality? Whereas at least the girls mm-hmm. in Despicable Me, like, they were each really different. Yeah, they and were just girls. They were just girls and unusual and different, and they were just whatever. They could have been boys. They were fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one was sort of bookish. The younger one was sort of the one with all the funny lines. And the hat. And and then there was the one with the hat, who mm-hmm. was like, maybe she was kind of the tomboy. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, she was, like, the most adventurous. She would pull things off the shelf and break things and explore. She walked right into the... um. The torture chamber with the spikes in it. She just like walked right in there. Like, yeah. oh, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. And and they were and they all wanted love. Do you know what I mean? Like wildfire, I don't like it was like so macho. Mm-hmm. You know? Like oh, whatever. It didn't <laughs> And then that was totally dismantled. Um I mean I think that's even that's the more frustrating part that like sometimes these female strong female characters mm-hmm. start out as these like super tough as nails mm-hmm. kind of lady and then very quickly that runs out of steam so she's not even that anymore. Mhm. Mm-hmm. What right. is she? She's she sort of she started off as the badass lady mm-hmm. and then she yeah, cuz then you're right, she quickly became the person whose job it was to Usher Emmett through his journey. She was there to sort of enable him. <laughs> she was his office manager. Let's face <laughs> it. Essentially, they they almost they tried to get at some intrigue with her because there was this whole plot about how she's changed her name a million times. Like yeah. now she goes by Wild Style, but she her real name is Lucy. But that just totally it just keeps undermining her. Like she mm-hmm. lacks confidence. She's not strong enough. She can't lead. And, and why so is she like Emmett the only female over. character too? Like where there like- is Unikitty. Who I had a lot of problems with because yeah, I wanted to love Unikitty. I was like, oh, Unikitty's a great character, but her whole thing sucked. is repression. Her Completely. whole thing is repressing her feelings and being positive all the time, it's which fun. is like what people want women to do anyway. You know, it's like don't if you don't like something, just keep that inside. Like, just be positive and nice all the time. Yeah, Unikitty was a letdown. It was, and then of course, like at the end in the battle, she's like screw keeping my feelings inside and then she like beats up yeah but that's the alternative like i mean aggression Aggression. exactly yeah but those are basically the only two female characters in that movie it's like at least in despicable me you're like there's shades of people are unusual and like i kind of like the fact that the tomboy one she could have been a boy I like that. There was a little, like, gender discrepancy going on. It wasn't, like, girls, boys. It was, like, a little nuanced. Mm -hmm. It's good. Yeah, because there are so many different types of girls out there that create their own identities. And I have to say, my daughter the other day asked me, she's like, when will I be a boy? Whoa. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I said, you're not going to be a boy. I was like, what difference does it make? What can't, what don't she's Orlando. God, that would be, I love that movie. (laughs) 
Um, and she, yeah, and she said, I said to her, well, you know, trying to probe the feminine psyche. I was like, what are, what, what do you not have that a boy has that you need? A penis. <laughs> I was like, of course. Totally age appropriate. I was like, girlfriend, you don't need that either. Don't worry. <laughs> Are there any final thoughts on either of these movies? I guess yes. maybe as I never got to say, here's the gap in the market. A movie where nothing really happens. It's just interesting people going throughout Film critics their day. are going to hate it. Tough shit for them. Kids are going to like it. They just want to be with other people and observe other people doing things. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, like, to you parents out there, if you want kids who are calm, watch calm things with them. My kids are so relaxed and chill and thoughtful after we binge on Mr. Rogers. Huh. There is a reason. They are less demanding they are more aware of their surroundings. They want to make things after wow. they watch Mr. Rogers, not after they watch a movie like the Lego movie. Huh. And they start to want Mr. Rogers because it feels good as opposed to the agitated, overstimulated feeling that they have after a movie like the Lego movie. So there. I like a movie that encourages a kid's creativity. Yeah. All right. Manoush, thank you so much for coming on Bonnie and Maude. So fun. I love this. Dissecting <laughs> why I feel the way I do about these films. As your kids get older, come on again, and we'll we'll see how their tastes change. Totally. I want to interview kids now about their favorite movies and why. Well, my son will be excellent on this podcast, no doubt. And my niece and nephew will get them on. We'll do something like that. Cool. Um, Manoush, where can people hear more from you totally so uh twitter at manoush z or you can go to manoushz.com or you can go to our podcast from wnyc which is newtechcity.org yes listen to it please and subscribe i'm supposed to ask you that subscribe it's an awesome show you should all check (laughs) it out um you can reach us at bonnieandmaud at gmail.com or check us out on facebook twitter and tumblr bonnie and maud is our handle for all of those Thank you so much for listening. I've been Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Xenia Yarosh. <laughs>